Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, the weekly news show that rounds up all of the hideous happenings that were reported on in the mainstream and some non-mainstream sources and subjects them to acerbic and unflinching critique. I'm Kevin Barrett with Dr. E. Michael Jones. Hey, Mike, welcome back. Thank you, Kevin. Good to be here. Okay. Always good to have you. I do, by the way, I keep track of your Twitter account. I highly recommend all of our viewers uh, follow your Twitter account because it helps us, you know, keep up with what you're doing as well as you have a lot of good, uh, interesting observations to make about what's happening in the world. Perfect for our audience. Did you, did you see the, the ADL? Did you see my little uh, confrontation with the ADL? What? You had a confrontation with the ADL? I'm shocked. Yeah, Yeah, I'm shocked too. Uh, no, it's worth talking about, but, uh, you know, you're the boss here, so let me know. Well, well maybe we should to... get to that part. Let's talk about that in the kissing kosher tush section of the show. How's that? Okay, good. Good. Okay. So that sounds like, I think that would fit pretty well there. All right. So here we go. Uh, we're going into our slideshow and our first slide is our theme slide of the week. Uh, this actually came out of a mainstream outlet with the, the, Zionist flag and the uh, COVID, you know, they they do my work for me sometimes. Um, we'll talk about the smear on RFK Jr. when we get there. And moving on to the PSAs, you can support False Flag Weekly News by going to truthjihad.com, which flies you to Iceland, where you'll be kidnapped by Icelanders uh, until you click on False Flag Weekly News. And that will take you to our fundraiser. I won't go into all of that now. And by the way, thank you to everybody who made our fundraiser to get to Morocco a success. We are relocating and we will be, inshallah, sustainable. And you'll be hearing more about that very soon. But first, the big stories this week. Well, a bunch of them concerned the 2024 presidential elections. It's a little early for that, I would think. But hey, it's never too early, especially if you're trying to get one of the candidates law theored out of the race or better yet put him in jail and prevent him from running and that of course would be trump here's a new york times front page headline about trump's legal woes and then the next stories are all about pretty much the same thing so here's the story so mike what do you think about trump's legal woes and the way the new york times and the rest of the mainstream media covers them well if you have uh, a jew as attorney general you will have weaponized lawfare and there's no question about it So that means, basically, if you're a Catholic from Pennsylvania, you will be arrested and tried. Uh, 22 armed men will show up at your house, drag you out of the house in front of your wife and eight children, and try you for what even the Jewish uh, uh, DA in Philadelphia thought was a misdemeanor and not worth talking about. That's the one side of the coin. And remind remind us the the details, uh, just which case was that? It was a a pro-lifer in Bucks County, Mm -hmm. and uh, I forget his name at the moment, but anyway, uh, he was uh, charged. The the memo had gone down from the uh, Merrick Garland saying they want uh, face cases, freedom of access to clinic, uh, uh, that act, which made it a felony to obstruct uh, abortion clinics, entrances to abortion clinics. So the word goes out from the top, and then the uh, FBI and the Justice Department in Philadelphia collaborate on a completely trumped up case against a a pro-lifer in Bucks County uh, for protesting, which you're allowed to do. He was not blocking a clinic. And there was another Jew involved in this, an agent provocateur who uh, attacked his son, the guy's son. The guy steps in front of him to protect his son. And that is now called a felony because he was obstructing uh, access to a clinic. 
Okay, that uh, went to trial. That went to trial. There, every single we had a, a reporter there on the scene. Every single person involved in this was a woman, and a large number of them were Catholic women who had become Jews because abortion is the uh, fundamental Jewish sacrament. When you have an abortion and you don't repent, you act like a Jew and you vote like a Jew. So it was all women. They went to trial, and it was laughed out of court in fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes. That's one side of the equation of the Merrick Garland Justice Department. The other side of the equation is people like uh, Mr. Bankman Freed, who uh, stole a couple billion dollars and got off with a slap on the wrist. Or we could go to Jeffrey Epstein and the ADL first uh, getting involved in that case. This is what happens. Not to mention Sniffer Joe and his uh, cocaine in the White House. There are so many instances. I just gave you two instances here, both sides of the coin. So you have a completely weaponized uh, Jewish uh, Justice Department where it will be Jewish vengeance. And they don't like, for some reason, they don't like Donald Trump. He did everything he could to placate these people. They don't like him. They want him out of office. And that's what's going to happen for uh, until they these people are removed from office. The, okay, the, well, the, I... the, the, the positive side is every time he gets indicted, his rating goes up. He has a huge rally in support and uh, more mm-hmm. people decide to vote for him. Yeah, it's it's adds to his you know media spectacle of a campaign. And so if you want the rundown on all these cases, New York magazine published one. Uh it's of course not entirely objective, but it's not too bad. So uh there's the first one here is the uh Michael Cohen payoff to Stormy Daniels, uh, and that's a criminal case. There's the so-called election tampering in Georgia, which is expected to be brought anytime now. And then there's what else? The uh uh, Mar-a-Lago documents case. There's the January 6th incitement and election fraud, blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, there's two civil cases uh, involving the Gene Carroll sexual assault allegations and business fraud in New York. So that's the rundown on Trump's legal woes from New York magazine, which actually was a little bit more useful in a sense than this New York Times article. But I agree, Mike, that this is basically all about uh, persecuting political opponents. Uh, and we're seeing the right, the political right, getting persecuted uh, with massive disproportionality. And your take on the ethnic factor behind it probably has some validity to it. Well, how about this cocaine probe uh, at the White House that came up with nothing? They can't figure out who possibly could have been responsible for the cocaine in the White House. Um, do you think they, they're working as hard at that as they are at finding things to go after Trump? Don't, don't they have ca- don't they have security cameras in the White House? You would think this 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 is preposterous. This is another example of this politicized law enforcement. There is no rule of law now in this country, and I, I'm I'm saying, look, I got in, I I wrote an article. It was on on called Biden's minion. Okay, uh, and a minion is ten people. You need ten Jews to have a prayer service at a synagogue. So I got rebuked by one of my readers who said, "Why did you just say Biden's minion?" And then he posts a picture of all of the Jews in the Biden administration. It's four hundred and ninety-five people all standing on the steps of the White House. This—that's a bunch of minions. That's 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 a whole congregation. Okay, you got so. What you have here is a situation where they control the White House. They've got a zombie in the White House that is per- perfectly suits their needs because, first of all, he's a Catholic, okay, which is the opposite end of the Kulturkampf in America, Jew versus Catholic. So he's the perfect front man. 
and he's incompetent and he's a zombie and he does exactly what he says as long as he can read the cue cards. That's not going to change. That they are they like that situation. Those 495 people who control the Biden administration love the status quo and they're not going to do anything to jeopardize it. And that means so what? You got a picture of a uh, uh, hunter snorting cocaine on the security camera. They won't they won't act on that either. The the Justice Department will not act on any of these things. It looks that way, doesn't it? Um, and the uh, of course, Karine uh, Jean Pierre, the White House press person, was asked about Biden's reaction when he heard that the cocaine probe uh, didn't find a suspect, <laughs> and she said, "No, she can't, she can't talk about his reaction." You know, I guess she's not allowed to talk about his reaction. He probably uh, snorted a couple of lines in celebration. And then uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, expressed the same doubts that you did, Mike. So I mean, you're you're on the same page here with uh, yeah with the Republican leadership. That uh, I mean, it's just so obvious that even the politicians can't really deny it. Uh, and then I was censored. Uh, well, that's actually the next story here would be the uh, ex Secret Service guy who says he and a bunch of his colleagues are furious about this because as Basically, what you just said, Mike, is kind of an open secret. It's not just us alternative analysts that they call conspiracy theorists that can get this. Everybody gets this. Um, and then I got uh, I got censored on Yahoo News for a you know, a, a slightly uh, nasty comment about uh, Sniffer Joe. So I guess you're not allowed to call him Sniffer Joe anymore. But Twitter hasn't taken my tweet down anyway. Well, that's good. I'm glad because uh, the, the the message of the Biden White House is truth is the opinion of the powerful. And nobody epitomizes that better than that uh, lesbian uh, press secretary. That's right. So the, the question is, is that true? And I think I believe it is not true. I've dedicated my life to the opposite proposition. And I think uh, we will be vindicated in the end. You from Morocco, me from South Bend. Okay, and maybe we can uh, meet somewhere uh, in in Morocco or in an island or in the Atlantic, halfway between or something. And because uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you again, it's been a while, you know, since the uh, usual suspects canceled uh, these wonderful conferences we used to attend together in in Iran. It's been uh, a little harder to find time to hang out with you in person. Well, uh, then of course there's the uh, the endless PR for Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's taking that Trump strategy of outraging, you know, épaté le bourgeois, you know, outrage their, maybe the Jewsois in this case, or the, the media, media and, you know, piss them off and get them yelling at you pretty much every day for lots of free publicity. And so she apparently has been inflicting uh, Hunter Biden nudes on the country. Now, I agree, that's cruel and unusual, but still, uh, <laughs> it's at least, you know, talking about the issue of his laptop, which we weren't supposed to talk about, certainly not during that last election. No. And that was the I think that was one of the aspects of the election that determined the election. Uh, but who knows? I mean, whether it was stolen, whatever, it it is what it is. And we have simply lost the rule of law. But before we lost the rule of law, we lost the uh, press, which used to report on things like this and used to be able to have some type of impact. Uh, the press has been completely bought off largely because of uh, financial reasons. So the Washington Post, which was never much to begin with, is a total propaganda outlet now. And, uh, 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 you know, people who were famous, who won the Pulitzer Prize, like Cy Hirsch, are reduced to Substack, while the New York Times has become Pravda. So it's the world we live in. Whether we can pull out of this, that's another question. 
But as long as we're in that world, we're going to talk about it and analyze it and critique it here on False Flag Weekly News. One of the weird things about this whole situation is that in so many ways, the parties have switched positions. Democrats used to be the party of the working people, and now they're the party of the billionaire oligarchs and the privileged. Uh, and Democrats also used to be the party where the people who are concerned about election integrity, knowing as they do that the billionaire oligarchs have plenty of money to buy the tech experts and so on to rig the elections through rigged voting machines. That used to be only Democrats that worried about that and who and that knew that the 2004 election was stolen, as Bobby Kennedy, among others, has said. But now it's the opposite. And it's not even clear that Democrats still support the one way of ensuring election integrity, which is nothing but hand-counted paper ballots, uh, Charles Moskowitz asked that question. And of course, the answer is that, you know, there may be a, a handful of people like John Simon, uh, who, you know, he, he, you'd notice that he's Jewish, he's left-wing and so on, but he's also honest about critiquing our elections. Uh, and the answer, of course, is no. 99% of the Democrats no longer care about rigged elections. The, I think the crucial turning point came came in uh, the elections in '68. There was a, a conve the convention was in Chicago at that point, and this was the showdown over who's going to run the Democratic Party. And it came down. So I remember watching this. I was uh, sitting at a bar as a 20 year old drinking illegally in Philadelphia, and watching the elections, the riots outside the Chicago elections, and being. Just I couldn't understand what's going on. Why are they attacking each other like that? Aren't they all Democrats? But the crucial moment came when uh, uh, Abraham Ribikoff gave a speech in which he played the Holocaust card. He played the Holocaust card at the Chicago convention, and he compared um, Daly's police to Nazi stormtroopers. And at that point, you could see Daly in the audience. Uh, the, the sound is turned down. But he's shouting out, you fucking kike, go back to Connecticut. This was the general tenor of the reaction on the floor. And that was the No one wondered Mayor Daly got a lot of bad press. He got a lot of bad press. And uh, they they did a documentary about it now. Uh, not a documentary, a feature-length film about the Chicago, what is it, six or seven. But anyway, that was that was the uh, the Democratic Party coming apart at the ethnic seams. The mm -hmm. ethnicity drives politics, and that that was they still had that power, the power that elected Kennedy president. And there were groups of people, the people I just mentioned, were determined to break that uh, hold on the party, and they broke it. And the main beneficiary of breaking that ethnic, uh, the the ethnic composition, the working class Catholic union dues paying member composition. Uh, the main beneficiary was Richard Nixon, who basically scooped up all of those disillusioned Democrats and got elected. And uh, the emerging Republican majority was the book that got written in 68. And that's been the story ever since. That's where it happened. But, but Mike, those conservative Catholic Democrats were on the wrong side of the main issue then, which was the Vietnam War. Right. It was it was what it was. But I mean, <laughs> it's true. It, yeah. It was what it was because the Demo the Catholic Democrats were the people who didn't, for the most part, didn't get the uh, d uh, d the uh, exemptions from the draft, and so they, I, you know, people I knew from my working class neighborhood uh, ended up dying there, you know, dying in Vietnam. 
Right. And, and that, well, that demographic now is the demographic that's waking up on, on issues like the Ukraine war. Well, the more left wing, uh, which is privileged, educated and often somewhat heavily or disproportionately Jewish demographic is actually more pro-war. So so that, yeah. that is flipped. And I think I think I, I already mentioned it, but I think one of the crucial events during this period of time was the sexual revolution, which was run by Jews. And one of the prime prime targets was the Catholics. And one of the prime victims was Catholic women who, after Vatican II, the schools, those Catholic high schools that are in uh, suburban Philadelphia, all those girls' academies run by nuns. The nuns became feminists. The girls started acting out sexually. Uh, and when they did that, some of them got pregnant. Some of them had abortions. And when you, be, when you have an abortion, you become a Jew because a Jew for abortion is a fundamental Jewish value. And so the net result is Josh Shapiro, a nobody DA from Harrisburg, whose only claim to fame was attacking the Catholic Church, is now governor of that state. How is that possible? There aren't enough Jews in, in Pennsylvania to get a dog catcher elected in Altoona. But he became governor largely because of this Catholic, the corruption of Catholic women through the sexual revolution. Okay, well, the Catholic men are letting him get away with it, so we shouldn't let them completely off the hook. Uh, well, speaking of more issues that will come up in the 2024 race, Biden has just put the final seal on covering up JFK assassination-related papers, uh, documents, totally in absolute violation of the JFK Official Records Act of the what early to mid-1990s. And I think everything was by law supposed to have been released by what was it like 2015 or something. And then you know, all of these presidents, even including Trump, keep finding an excuse not to release these records. So there are still 2,140 that are uh, withheld uh, due to Biden's decision to violate the, the law. And then 2,500 remain for other reasons. So there are about 5,000 JFK assassination related documents that have not been fully revealed. And you do have to wonder about that. Yes, and you have to wonder about uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, he he should probably get to know this type of stuff. I think that the main well, he, do, he does know this stuff. Yeah, he he does know this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay, then why is he talking about uh, Israel's right to exist? Then? Oh, because he does. He doesn't. I don't think he's read uh, Michael Collins Piper and Lauren Guyanel. He's just read all of the other stuff, James Douglas and you know Mark Lane and all those other people. So he knows half of the picture about the JFK assassination, the CIA half. The but CIA he's half. The Israel half. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah well, that would explain that. Yeah. Uh, the, the big question is, why did Trump do the same thing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Trump is on record, as we talked about on the show last week, saying that he saw some of what was in there and it was so horrible. That was his term. So that's uh, that's an interesting. So horrible. Isn't that reason to release it? You would think, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, we don't want to destroy the people's faith in their government, although Trump is certainly hasn't worried about that in other cases. So anyway, who, who knows? I mean, I think part of the real purpose of this stalling operation, you know, they had to release everything by like 2015. And, you know, it's every single release has been violating the law. Like before that, they were also not releasing everything they were supposed to. And then 2015, whatever it was, roll it around. And they didn't release everything. And they've been violating the law ever since. Why is that? Well, yeah, maybe it's partly because some of that stuff is so horrible, but some of it is also probably that they just are, they need time to do their, you know, their, their sifting and, uh, and sanitizing operation. 
So I'm sure there's stuff, some of the so horrible stuff is being quietly disappeared from the record. And apparently there might be so much of that that they need like decades to get rid of it all. Uh, so it's just another sign of how corrupt things have got. Well, let's, let's move on to the ethnically targeted section of the show. And of course, this show is somewhat ethnically targeted in a sense that there are certain ethnicities that seem to think that they need to ethnically go after the show because of our allowing people like you, Mike, who talk about ethnicity in ways they're not officially approved to uh, voice their views. In any case, uh, so, we're, oh, that's the wrong direction. Let's go this direction. The big ethnically targeted story was that RFK Jr., uh, according to the New York Post, says that COVID was ethnically targeted to spare Jews. Now, that headline is not exactly accurate, is it? But uh, but he kind of hinted at it, in a sense, by just referring to a scientific paper that it really exists. It's on the NIH website, peer-reviewed, mainline, top-notch journal paper looking at different ethnic susceptibilities to COVID. And what did they find? that uh, of all the ethnicities on earth, Ashkenazi Jews are the, have the least of that particular gene that determines a certain aspect of susceptibility to COVID. And then uh, the white and black African people have the highest level of that particular gene. So now this isn't saying that COVID only targets white and black people and totally leaves like Jews alone and mostly leaves Asians alone. That's an over, that's an exaggeration. And the way he said this might have been considered an exaggeration or misinterpretation, but still it's a real study. And he raised a valid point about ethnic bioweapons as a huge problem. And this is the way the media rewarded him for it with, uh, you know, however, three minutes of hate uh, for anti-Semitism. Uh, your thoughts, Mike? Yeah, well, uh, look, look where he's sitting. He's sitting, at, it's dinner is over. He's now, uh, you know, in getting his speaking after uh, the dinner to a group of people and somebody's got a cell phone because everybody's got a cell phone. So it's unfair to Robert Kennedy to do this. It's unfair. Uh, if you're asking me uh, my opinion after dinner, I'll probably say something. But uh, before I say it, if, I, if I'm if i really going to say it, I would write a paper about it. And then I'd base what I said on the research I did in the paper, okay, which is what he did. But uh, you, 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 in a formal context, you would formulate your words in a, in a way that was uh, more, would be more effective. So it's unfair to him. Okay. On the other hand, uh, when is he going to wake up to the fact that Jews don't like him? When is he going to wake up to that? Well, he, he likes them, but I guess an anti-Semite is somebody that, uh, that the Jews don't like. It's not somebody who doesn't like Jews. He loves Jews. It's uh, they're his favorite ethnicity, and he loves Israel even, which is genocidal, and it violates everything else about his moral principles. So he's like, you know, way off on that philo-Semitic side of things. He loves Jews. He loves Israel, but uh, they all hate him. It's, it's very strange. We, we have a replay here of Donald Trump. That's exactly what happened to Donald Trump. He shows up and he's the most Jewish president in American history. And they're the ones who have their knives out for him. Uh, this in Robert Kennedy, this becomes obvious in case he didn't know it uh, when uh, I don't know whether you're going to cover this, but the uh, the congressional hearings where Deborah Wasserman Schultz uh, refuses to let him speak. I don't know whether you're going to talk about that it, later. Yeah, yeah. You know, we didn't get a slide in for that, but yeah, we can quickly mention that. Yeah, yeah. She tried to basically have him bounced and silenced and kept out and not allowed to talk in these hearings. Yeah, and then and then after that, this this actually I'm referring to a Fox News report. Well, they'll never mention the fact that she's Jewish, and then they go right to Adam Schiff, who uh, jumps in on the same thing. <laughs> well, it's a lynch mob. 
Mm-hmm. It's a lynch mob, Bobby. When when are you going to wake up to the fact? When are you going to draw the proper conclusions here? Mm-hmm. This is ridiculous. This has been. This is. I wish we. You know. I wish we could sit down and talk. You know, like Catholic to Catholic, and say, look, there are three ethnic groups, and they're at war with each other, and that's always the way it's been in the United States. And if you don't know that, uh, you're politically naive. Your grandfather Joe knew that, and your uncle, and to some extent, your father may have known that, uh, but apparently, that knowledge has been lost. Uh, And so, yeah, the media just went crazy lynching him all week about this. Uh, You know, they're trying to throw him out of the Democratic Party. And, you know, everybody, but and, and none of these mainstream reports mention the fact that the paper that he referred to is real and that the gist of what he said is true. No, because they're paid to do that. They're paid to have this type of distortion or spin put on everything. All they need is a little bit, little hook to hang it on, and then they hang whatever they want on it. And you can't, he can't get to the microphone. He couldn't, if you watch that hearing, he couldn't get a word in edgewise. Debbie just kept shouting him down and then justifies it after she walks out because it's disinformation. Honey, the congressional hearings are supposed to determine whether it's disinformation or not. That's not your job. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how this is going to play, though, because I mean, to me, it sure, you know, it makes RFK Jr. look pretty sympathetic and makes these shrill, you know, hysterical witch hunters trying to silence him look like idiots. So, you know, he might pull off another Trump here and beat the media like Trump did in 2016. Well, here's Pat Buchanan. Uh, Well, not just Pat Buchanan. Here's a picture of Pat Buchanan in an article by this Padraic O'Bannon. I don't know if that's like Steve Bannon's uh, Gaelic alter ego or what, but uh, whoever it is, they're going a few steps further than Steve Bannon and speaking honestly about this stuff. And it points out that this two minutes of anti-Semitism hate that RFK Jr. just got, it's been, you know, this is a typical thing. We see it all the time. It happened to Pedro Gonzalez and Nick Fuentes and and Pat Buchanan, who really set the stage for a lot of what's going on in today's Republican Party. He was way ahead of his time. Um, and it gets into that witch hunt of Pat Buchanan when he pointed out that there are only two groups beating the drums for war in the Middle East, the Israeli Defense Ministry and its Amer- Amen Corner in the United States. Uh, and yeah, he got that right even before those same two groups did 9-11 and hijacked the American military to go to war in a really big way. So, uh, yeah, Pat was ahead of his time and the two minutes of hate uh, routine is starting to get kind of old and worn out. Yeah, well, the, he's the classic example of what I just mentioned about Nixon benefiting from the defection of Catholic ethnics from the Democratic Party. Not to say Pat Buchanan was part of that, but I mean, he mm-hmm. was certainly a representative of that group. Oh, and I, I, knew, think, I think he was part of it. I think he actually understood what he was doing. No, he understood it. But he, 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 he the, the sad thing about Pat is he got into the White House as a young man, and I don't think he ever got over it. So he yeah. was he, he always considered himself an insider because of Richard Nixon, who was driven out of town, uh, who said, I'd rather quit than get sh- have them do to me what they did to Kennedy. But this is exactly what I was talking about here. But he could never he could never make it's exactly the same situation where they hate you and he can't quite bring himself to, to say who they is. You know, mm-hmm. he hints at it. The Amen Corner, the great line was uh, Congress is rarely occupied territory. That yeah. was a great line. Great line. That's especially in 1992 or around that time. And, and Pat came out of nowhere and resurrected America first, which was a shock to everyone. 
to everyone because the one thing conservatism was supposed to be was ability to talk about things without ever mentioning there was an America first. That was the real American patriotism, the real American conservatism. Pat grew up after the war, you know, in a world where conservatism was not allowed to talk about those things. And he brought it back and shocked the hell out of everybody. Uh, beat, I think, beat a George H.W. Bush in the New Hampshire primary, wrecked his, uh, his uh, candidacy, wrecked his uh, presidency. And the Jews hated him. They, it was, if you were alive at that time, it was... Pat Buchanan is the next Hitler. He was the next Hitler. And he, it, it, I always felt that he couldn't take it back. He couldn't take it to them. He, so he'd write books. He, he would say, look, Pat would send me his books when he was writing those books, you know, and he'd write a little inscription on the front to E. Michael Jones, the brave heart of American politics or something like that. And I was always grateful to him, you know, like he's, he's somebody, I'm just a nobody. But then he'd write about So at one point I wrote a review of it and I said, basically talking about immigration. And I said, is Paul Wolfowitz a Mexican, Pat? <laughs> because at that point there was that, that kind of, you know, border nativism, which Trump picked up, of course. But it was my way of saying, let's get to the heart of the matter. Let's get to the heart of the matter. And, you know, he had his day. They still hate him. Uh, he's had his day. God bless him for what he did. Well, isn't it interesting that in this uh, headline that Pat Buchanan is mentioned uh, right alongside Nick Fuentes, who in a way strikes me as sort of, you know, today's equivalent, but, you know, in the uh, he, he's the opposite in that Pat, as you say, started out as an insider in the Nixon White House. So uh, Nick Fuentes is a product of today's environment in which nobody with this kind of America first view will ever be an insider. On the contrary, you'll be lucky if you don't end up in a, a re-education camp. And, you know, Fuentes has been just totally banned from anything remotely close to the mainstream. He seems like a very sharp and reasonable uh, guy, you know, good hearted yeah. Christian. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 No. I think you're. I think you're right. I met Nick in Chicago. I said, you know, I. I someone gave a talk. I think it was Roosh. Uh, so we met afterwards. I said, well, let's go out for a drink. And he said, well, I'm sorry, I can't get into a bar. I'm not 21 yet. So that shows you how young this guy is, you know, and and uh, a kind of charismatic personality that has huge resonance among his his generation. Right. Well, he's charismatic and he's also smart, you know, unlike Trump. Right. It's good to have both. Buchanan has a little bit of both, too. So, yeah, this, you know, I, I can see why they've really tried to silence Nick Fuente so much. I'm sure he's he's pretty uh, terrifying to some of these folks. Uh, but so, yeah, two minutes of so, anti-Semitism hate. We've heard that yeah. before, haven't we? <laughs> Yeah, but but you need more. You got to. Does any? Do you know? Look, I'm talking personally myself. I when I was 21 years old, I didn't know anything. I don't want to make myself a paradigm here. But the fact of the matter is that you need to do some uh, research. And the the catastrophe sort of took place when uh, Nick and Kanye uh, West and Milo link up, and they're on Kanye's plane, and they fly off, and. It's a train wreck. It's a complete train wreck. You should have done a little preparation here before you did this. You know, I was, we were trying to contact Kanye My, Milo. I had already talked to Milo. I'm trying to contact him and he's already on the plane. There's a picture of him. They're all sitting there looking at their cell phones. Guys, you should have had a meeting before you got on the plane. 
You know, well, that's what they, that's what cell up. phones are. That's the new kind of meeting. But yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Well, it's it's a new generation, you know, jumping from Pat Buchanan and Nick Fuentes and who knows where it's all going to go. Well, uh, here's a Jewish perspective that I actually mostly agree with from Naomi Wolf. Naomi Wolf actually said very kind things about me in her book, Letters to a Young Patriot. I was being witch hunted at the University of Wisconsin at the time, and she stood up for my free speech rights in such a way as to imply that maybe what I was saying about 9-11 wasn't entirely wrong. So I appreciate that. And here she is defending RFK Jr. And, you know, she's not saying the same thing you are about who's against him, of course. But, you know, she's arguing the Jewish case that, you know, what he said is perfectly uh, not only reasonable, but he needs to be drawing attention to these ethnic specific bioweapons. And then she also defends him in comparing uh, the situation for COVID dissidents with the situation for of Anne Frank during World War II, saying that, you know, Anne Frank, she at least could hide in the attic, but there's no place to hide for the COVID dissidents. And of course, the establishment, especially the Jewish side, went crazy about that. And she says, no, it's basically true. So she's, she's saying that what RFK Jr. is saying is basically true. And she's saying there's no reason why Jews like her shouldn't accept that. Yeah, well, that's great. I'm glad. And and Bobby Kennedy should jump and, and tweet that, that <laughs> Naomi Wolf endorsed me and she's Jewish. And, and, they, and they will kind of laugh at him and basically say, so what? This is mm-hmm. not about individual Jews. It is about the Jewish people. That's the whole story here in a nutshell. And there have always been Jews who have gone against the tyrannical reign of the rabbi or the ADL, or whatever it is, uh, and they've been uh, immediately marginalized. To, uh, to look up Spinoza. See what happened to Spinoza. Mm. There was another Jew there in the same synagogue in Amsterdam, and uh, he had to lie down in front of the uh, entrance, and they stepped over him. You're you're dead to them if you cross the big Jew. It's little Jew versus big Jew here, and the big Jew runs the narrative, and if the little Jew doesn't go along, he will be excommunicated from the synagogue. It's happened over and over and over again. Solomon Maimon, I could name one Jew after another. It's in the Jewish revolutionary spirit, if you want to see the story. Yeah. Norman Finkelstein, I could go one after another. Yeah, yeah. The and Gilad Atzman and Ron Gilad Unzer, Atzman. a whole lot of the, yeah, a lot, a lot uh, of people uh, out of Jewish backgrounds who have taken on the uh, the tribal power configuration. Yeah, and it doesn't mean uh, a, a hill of beans. Or you want the the artistic expression of this? Watch a serious man by the Cohen brothers, and mm-hmm. uh, get get to the insider view. Very a really good movie. Yeah, uh, I remember a, that. Yeah. A, a really good movie about how the, the rabbis ter- tyrannized the Jewish people with a beginning that goes all the way back to the pale of the of the settlement where the, the anyway it's a great it's yeah a great yeah movie. yeah yeah I, I i recommend that one too i should go back and watch it again uh, so what one of the things naomi wolf points out is that the if there'd been any research on what rfk jr said they would have realized that it's true that there you know almost fifteen thousand scholarly articles and peer-reviewed journals about ethnically tar- targeted bioweapons uh crispr the new gene editing technology will make uh ethnic targeting easy and of course, RFK Jr. is right about Anne Frank. So yeah, no shout out to Naomi Wolf for speaking the truth. And we need uh, more people like that, whether they're Jewish or not. But hey, here's the other side. This is the other side of sort of the liberal or you know quasi uh, dissident face or you know nice smiling uh, liberal face of the Jewish establishment, saying let's make everybody nice and smiling by feeding everybody MDMA. 
Um, and here's the AI-generated illustration of a neo-Nazi renouncing his ways after taking MDMA. Uh, and it doesn't remind me of the 60s psychedelic art, you know, our crumb and and the, uh, you know, the psychedelic posters I remember from that era. It's very different from that. And <laughs> he looks like he's kind of exploding from a blob of psilocybin mushroom mycelia. Uh, very strange article. <laughs> what do you think about this, Mike? Well, it's, it's just nothing new. I mean, we, we know about MK Ultra, which was basically, all right, we're going to use LSD to solve the anti-war problem. Well, yeah. MK Ultra Sydney was Gott run, Gottlieb. Well, it was, run by, it was run by Jews. This is not new. The, and so nobody wants to talk about that, how Jews were involved in all of these inhumane experiments with children and God knows what, people who didn't know what they were getting into being given uh, LSD. That was a Jewish operation run by Sidney Gottlieb. My so goodness, is, you know, if you took if you took psychedelics and then you learned that, you know, and then suddenly the, the ADL and all and the whole media came after you, you'd probably have a pretty bad trip. Yeah, that's right. So this is nothing new, and uh, it, it it's uh, it's not to be taken seriously. The fact that the forward is promoting this type of thing shows that they're complicit in this basically heinous history of of the CIA MK Ultra program. And one of the weird things about this article and weird things in general is that, as it points out, Israel is the world center of the MDMA trade. And MDMA is supposedly the love drug that makes people open up emotionally and sort of embrace everybody and embrace everything and, you know, and make make them kind and sweet and friendly and loving. And somehow it seems to me they're not giving enough of this drug to the IDF soldiers who are deliberately yeah. shooting to kill Palestinian children as a matter of de facto national policy. Apparently what they do is they train them to be murder, child murderers. And after they've you know done their one shot, two kills thing, shooting the pregnant women in the, in the belly and, and murdering the little kids for throwing rocks at them and stuff, then of course the soldiers feel bad about it to some extent. And then they give them MDMA therapy to make them okay again. So I, I don't know about Israel and MDMA. Maybe they need to up the dose a little bit. Yeah. Uh, if someone's giving you drugs, they want to control you. It's that simple. It's, it's never been any different. The man who really spilled the beans on this was uh, Aldous Huxley, who is not a Jew. Okay. And Brave New World was basically the blueprint for the, the New World Order. Uh, it, the, the CIA picked it up with MK Ultra. Uh, and uh, that's what it's going to be. These are forms of control. And if you're taking drugs, that's what it is. The main reason the lady who got elected as uh, attorney general in Michigan, um, the Jewish uh, lesbian, uh, Dana Nessel, was elected with drug money. I know that I know the people I know the drug dealers who did it is <laughs> an article I wrote up. OK, uh, this is to abrogate your. Uh, freedom uh, to make you a docile robot so that they can control you. It also means that Dana Nessel will no longer go after drug crimes, okay, uh, because they're the people who put her in office, and uh, she will go after people she doesn't like, which gets us back to the initial argument here about Jewish law enforcement. Mm -hmm. uh, they will go after their enemies. The rule of law goes out the window when you get people like this in public office. Okay. Well, here's an illustration from that article. Uh, they were imagining, you know, okay, if we can cure neo-Nazis and turn them into kind, loving, Jew-friendly people by dosing them with MDMA, what if we slipped some MDMA in Donald Trump's, Trump's Diet Coke? But no, there are limits to this. He wouldn't really suddenly change 
Uh, he's just going to love himself more and love his followers more. So I guess uh, uh, dosing Trump and his followers at Trump rallies with MDMA isn't going to solve all the world's problems. Too bad. Jewish Daily Forward had a great idea, but it just may not pan out. <laughs> uh, so so getting back to this RFK Jr. witch hunt thing. So who are these people claiming he's disinformation? You're saying they're disproportionately Jewish, Mike. That may be true. It kind of looks that way. But uh, there's also these experts or these supposed experts uh, that... Uh, basically have no expertise. What are they? Well, one of them, Imran Ahmad, who has a Muslim name, uh, kind of a, a shame to his religion, it sounds like. Uh, he's just some political hack. Uh, he was a British Labour Party executive who was rebranded himself as a disinformation expert. All these people are just hacks. And basically what they think is disinformation is anything that they disagree with. Yeah, well, you're talking about lower level figures here. I mean, these are the people that get paid by the big people on top. This is the, the classic example is a fact check. If you want to know that you're being lied to, just see if it's a fact check. And fact check is there bought people who are paid to lie for the people who are in power, to destroy whatever attempt people make to tell the truth. So you're talking about lower level information and the fact that the guy's a Muslim doesn't mean that the Muslims are in charge, does it, Kevin? Probably not. No, I don't, I don't think it's quite reached that point. Well, let's get to the kissing kosher tush section of our show. Uh, I'm referring, of course, to Bobby Kennedy, who, as we mentioned, is, is getting beat up by uh, the most powerful forces in the Jewish world. Uh, and the fact that he's rapidly pro-Israel, pro-Zionist doesn't seem to help, but he just keeps kissing. Uh, he kisses harder as if that's going to fix the situation. You think it will? No. No, it's not because they've made up their mind. I've already we've already discussed this. They control the Demo they control the White House, they control the Biden administration. They're not going to let anyone who challenges that uh control anywhere near uh an election. They've started right now. And if you want the classic example, watch that Fox News report about uh Debbie Deborah Wasserman Schultz and see tell me if she likes Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Tell me if she's going to allow him to get to the microphone. That's not going to happen. And if you don't believe her, then watch what Adam Schiff has to say right after that. They are against him. This is the tragedy of political life, that these people have internalized the commands of their oppressors. And they are trying to trying to get people who hate them to love them. It's not going to happen. Jesus Christ said you should love your enemies. Well, okay. Bobby's doing that, that's for sure. Well, that's that's what he learned <laughs> as a good Catholic, but he doesn't understand that they're his enemies. That's the problem. Okay, and he's, he's turned his other cheek uh, an awful lot of times, too. But this whole business of a presidential candidate pledging unconditional support for any foreign country, much less a vicious, genocidal foreign country that has repeatedly attacked the United States, murdered its president, uh, who was, of course, Bobby's uncle, murdered the next would-be president, which was, of course, Bobby's father, uh, slaughtered the people on the liberty, and on and on and on. Let's not even get into the attack on America of September 11th, 2001. The idea that absolute unconditional support for that kind of country, or for any foreign country for that matter, is acceptable in a presidential candidate, is completely insane. 
But of course, that's the world we live in. It's not just, it's insane, but it's also mandatory pretty much. Uh, and here are the Congress critters um, performing their obeisance. It's, you know, not just Bobby who's, uh, who's you know, kissing up harder and harder all the time. So are the Congress critters. They must have all been dosed with MDMA and mm -hmm. campaign campaign contributions. And look at this. They they gave him, Herzog, uh, 30 standing ovations. In oh, average 30. Wait a minute. We broke the, new the record. record. We the new broke record. the record. <laughs> This is a new record. It breaks the big Yahoo record. I think that was only 20. Was it 27? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was a standing ovation every 90 seconds for Bibi. Now they got it up to a standing ovation every 80 seconds. Pretty soon they'll just never sit down. They'll have to stand That's up right. straight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the bar keeps getting higher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you really can't make this stuff up, can you? I mean, and, and people deny that America is an Israeli occupied country. I mean, did you see the tape of this? I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> Oh boy. Okay, so uh, so it's not just Bobby; it's the whole political class. Uh, but over in Israel, um, they're warning uh, the well the opposition leader says that well, you know, maybe we won't totally own America anymore if uh, if Bibi and his radical lunatics like Ben Gavir keep going the way they're going. But you know, Ben Gavir says in response to that, well, Biden needs to understand that Israel is no longer a star on the U.S. flag. It's, it's really more like the U.S. is a star on the Israeli flag, of course. Now, now, wait a minute. Do you remember J Street? Do you remember J, J Street? J yeah, yeah, yeah. J, J Street. They're, they're the liberal, quasi-humanitarian, semi-pro-Palestinian group. Right. And they, this came about, they made news but when the neoconservatives were in control of the White House. So there's going to be an alternative. Well, what? What? it doesn't make any difference, does it? it J Street has taken over the White House. Uh, it, it, it makes me laugh when I hear someone say that Anthony Blinken is a neoconservative. Neoconservative is a euphemism for the word Jew. It, when you say neoconservative now, now it, at the time of Pat Buchanan, that had meaning. OK, if you're talking about Paul Wolfowitz, that had meaning. If you say it now, all you're telling me is you can't use the word Jew because this is the other side. This is supposed to be the J Street side now taking over the White House. And they're just as bad. Well, am I yeah. am I exaggerating here? Is not, there... not, not too much. Uh, these, of course, you know, neoconservatism is a philosophical school that Leo Strauss developed out of the work of Carl Schmitt, and but it has a heavily Jewish ethnic dimension to it. I mean, obviously, neoconservatism is a, a, a Jewish intellectual movement, and it right. very it's very much based on the observation that, uh, as uh, Strauss thought that the uh, German Jews in the 19, early 1930s made a terrible, terrible mistake by going along with parliamentary democracy uh, and basically allowing what Strauss considered a an, the undermentioned, undermentioned, the, the right. lesser, the lesser folk, that is the Germans, to take over. And so he believed that the natural elite, which he never quite came out and said, but clearly he identified with Jews, uh, should do everything, you know, every trick in the book, no matter how evil, to stay in power in the most ultimately Machiavellian way possible. And certainly don't be stupid enough to believe in anything like goodness and human rights and democracy, anything like that. No, just be ultra Machiavellian and keep the natural elite in power was his philosophy. So, yeah, there's definitely a connection between Jewish political thought and, uh, and neoconservatism. Yes. And if you're talking about Paul Wolfowitz, and Strauss and the Prince of Darkness and all those people that were in his class at the University of Chicago, it's a category of reality. 
If you're talking about Anthony Blinken, if when Colonel McGregor gets on talking about the Ukraine war and he refers to the neoconservatives in Washington, that's a category of the mind that is a euphemism for people who can't say the word Jew. And that's part of the problem of discourse right now. It is. Well, I'm willing to say the word Jew sometimes. When, when I, If I mean Jew, I say Jew. If I mean Zionist, I say Zionist. I mean Israeli, I say Israeli, and so on and so forth. Uh, and here's my new piece on the history of two occupations that was published in American Free Press that points out that the Palestinians are being genocided under the occupation of the Jewish state, that is non-Jews are being systematically exterminated and expelled from Palestine. And then likewise, there is a Jewish occupation of elite universities in general, and the Ivy League in particular, as documented in the statistics, uh, very, you know, painstakingly uh, dug up by, by Ron Unz. He wrote a great article about this on the elephant in the room of the you know, college admissions scandals, the, you know, the, the anti-affirmative action decision the Supreme Court just offered was all based on this anti-discrimination uh, or anti-reverse discrimination movement that was based on Ron Unz's work. And he points out that even though that that whole thing was led by Asians who are saying Asians are being discriminated against, the biggest group that's being discriminated against in America's elite universities is non-Jewish white people who are massively, you know, like, like, you know, chance, you know, nine out of 10 that should be getting in aren't getting in. Whereas, and who are the people who are getting in? Well, the biggest beneficiaries of this discrimination is Jews. That is, you know, half or more of the quote unquote white people in these elite universities are Jewish. And based on their qualifications, that is test scores, grades, and other hard criteria like that, it should be maybe, you know, like 90% non-Jews, but it's it, the proportions are nearly reversed. So the biggest form of discrimination in America's elite universities is pro-Jewish and anti-non-Jewish white. And so I wrote that up as an occupation of elite universities, and I'm sure this is going to be a very uh, controversial article. Maybe I can get the ADL to come after me again. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought Jews were white. Oh, wait a minute. That's what Jared yeah. Taylor says. I had a debate with Jared Taylor. His occupation is basically turning Jews into white people. Of course, they don't want to do that anymore. That's that's passe. The cru I think one of the crucial uh, documents in this story is uh, Nicholas Lamont's book, uh, The Big Test, which is the history of standardized mm -hmm. testing. And it has relevance to Harvard because uh, one of the guys, the, the Goyim at Princeton never changed the SAT. Uh, uh, maybe they did it now, but uh, in the heyday of SAT taking, which is probably when I took it uh, in the 60s, uh, it hadn't changed. And so this Mr. Kaplan, this is all in uh, uh, Lamont's book. Mr. Kaplan in Brooklyn uh, had a, a, pr a prep course for the SATs. And after each uh, they took it, they'd come and have a party at his house. And uh, he, the admission to the party was you had to tell him one question and one answer, or maybe uh, maybe just a question that you had gotten, remembered from the SATs. Within three years, he knew every single question on the SATs. That meant the Jews in Brooklyn were scoring uh, 1600s on their SAT scores, which means they got into Harvard. And as Father Hesburgh, the former late president of Notre Dame said, if you let the Jews in, they take over. And that's what happened to Harvard. Well, yeah, according to UNSA statistics, as little as like 20, 30 years ago, it wasn't nearly this bad. That is, that, uh, of course, go back five five to ten decades and you see Jews actually, I guess ten, uh, you see Jews being actually discriminated against in admissions. And then there's a period where it seems like it's more based on merit. And then you do get disproportionate uh, you know, Jewish 
participation in the elite universities because on the average they are doing well but then their uh their talent levels apparently their performance levels and their qualifications levels have declined quite precipitously in the last several decades and yet their numbers haven't which is where you get these statistics proving the massive pro-jewish discrimination in uh, elite college admissions and which has a lot to do with the how who the real ruling elite in america is and it has a lot to do with why we're at war with russia so let's move on to the war in russia category oh here let me uh first um get you the i think we need the audio for this particular video to be worth seeing so here let's let's do the audio we'll share the sound we'll go back to the slide and we will uh we will watch the new um uh, new video here okay here okay i i admit that's uh that that's that's vulgar uh and um in any case yeah we're on russia and who's really behind it let's get into that uh here we go back to the slideshow and we're gonna have to get beyond this one. There we go. Uh, this this was not actually on our story list, but it was today's Yahoo News lead story. The is the Ukrainian counteroffensive faltering? And the correct answer is what Ukrainian counteroffensive? Uh, counteroffensive. Um, but if there was one, it would be faltering. And the big news though this week was the collapse of the grain deal, which could send food prices sky high and starve a lot of people. And the Russians seem to be right, saying that the what's really going on here is that the other side hasn't lived up to it. That is, uh, the sanctions on Russian exports, its agricultural bank, and so on, have not really been unblocked and lifted like they were supposed to be. So Russia says, sorry, Ukraine, you can't export your grain, and maybe Turkey will jump in and save the day and fix it. I don't know. What do you think, Mike? I think it was a reaction to the attack on the Kerch Bridge. Uh, the Moscow, Russia keeps waging this war with restraint, and the other side has no restraint whatsoever other than total fear. Uh, but to, if you're talking about uh, who's behind the war, uh, uh, ask Larry Fink, the head of BlackRock. He just made a deal with uh, Zelensky, the guy who was on that video dancing around before he became president, uh, and they're going to help in the reconstruction of the Ukraine. Well, I mean, just, they're going to turn the whole country into a gay disco. That's exactly what's going to happen, except that they're, uh, the, what they're going to do is a replay of what happened to Russia. This is what happens when your country gets taken over by these people. As Jeffrey Sachs showed when he dealt with Boris Yeltsin, his puppet, uh, a man who has been rehabilitated without any apologies, as far as I can tell. But now it's going to be uh, we're going to the Jews are going to get together and carve up the best farmland in Europe, some of the best farmland in the world where all that grain is coming from and buy it up at pennies on the dollar and privatize the Ukraine. And it will go back to the uh, original owners, which that's the pale of the settlement. That's where the Jews came from. And they're going to take it back. You know, that actually makes sense. You know, the, the hard version of that particular quote-unquote conspiracy theory, which is that the Israelis are all going to move to the Ukraine after it's been depopulated, I think, I don't see any evidence that the Israelis are ready to leave. However, I think that the billionaire oligarchs buying up the farmland there makes a lot of sense. So unfortunately, I, I, I have to cast my vote in favor of your uh, theory there, Mike. And uh, here was an interesting article in that it was in a leading 
American intellectual journal or whatever, Harper's Magazine, and yet it was quite truthful. So it's kind of a man bites dog story here. Uh, this is the sort of thing that you usually would see in the more marginalized alternative media spheres like False Flag Weekly News. So it was good to read something sensible in Harper's. Yeah. Yeah, good. I'm glad someone's the story is getting out. But uh, that that that's the story. We uh, this is the reason we're there. There are coll there's collateral of reasons too. Uh, if you ethnically cleanse the Ukraine, which is what they're doing, uh, all that farmland has been abandoned, and you can snap it up, and the people are left without property. But you also have the collateral benefit of flooding European countries. First, Poland uh, with uh, immigrants, uh, the ethnic. Uh, displacement of the the native people, which it seems hard it's hard to believe that that will happen to Poland, but they don't stop at Poland. They go to Germany, where it has an even worse effect, and then they end up in the Ukraine. I, I'm sorry, in Ireland, where it has a really bad effect, because there are only five million native Irish on that island. And if you got you got a, a homosexual who's a, a, a stooge of the oligarchs, who's the Tizik or prime minister there, who is deliberately flooding his country with Ukrainians to displace the native population. That's that's the real hidden grammar in addition to the economic takeover. Well, what's with all these homosexual stooges of oligarchs in power all over the place, you know, in Ireland and Canada and then uh, even in Ukraine, of course. I mean, all, that's how you would really describe these leaders. That's because they're good. They're good stooges. Why do you think we had this homosexual rights campaign to make these privileged people? Because they are slaves of their passions, and they are so uh, they are so out of align with the nature that God created that they have no allegiance, uh, normal allegiance that normal people have, like to your family or the place you live. And so they are great oligarchic proxy warriors. They are the best. They're much better than Negroes who were supposed to be the proxy warriors during the civil rights movement. These people are much better, much better at doing what they're told. Well, here in the United States, the good news is that our president doesn't appear to be a homosexual stooge of the oligarchs. But the bad news is that he's a sniffer sexual stooge of the oligarchs. Uh, he uh, gets his jollies by uh, sniffing people, especially like young girls and such. In any case, uh, I don't know why the oligarchs always choose these people, but how about the bell tolls for fiat as kind of the real ending of the Ukraine war? I mean, okay, we see the writing on the wall here. The counteroffensive is faltering. Even top story in Yahoo News this morning admits that. But uh, the next, uh, I mean, the real long-term victory here for Russia will be the destruction of the dollar as the official global or unofficial global reserve currency. And according to this article from the Gold Money blog, admittedly a biased source, that we're going to see, <laughs> we're going to see gold coming back. What do you think? <laughs> oh, oh, Gold Money saying gold comes back. Okay. Yeah. I, I wonder what they're selling us. Yeah. Gold, I gotta, yeah gold, gold, gold is an obsolete form of money. Okay, there's not enough gold in the world to run any economy. This was the problem with sure the gold is, standard. The price is high enough. No, you know it doesn't work that way. There is a finite amount of gold, and that's it. And you can slice it up into thinner and thinner slices, but that's all there is, and it is not adequate to run any economy. We figured that the uh, John Law figured this out at the time of the uh, uh, before the French Revolution. He, the, there's nothing wrong with a fiat currency. If that's what you, what do you mean by a fiat currency? The state has the right to issue money based on what? 
Well, well, it used to be it was based on the gold we had at Fort Knox. That was a fiction. That was crazy. That never that was never real. Okay, it was it was a scam. What is it based on? The man who discovered this unequivocally was Adolf Hitler. I know he's a big fan. You're a big fan of his, but I'm going to say it anyway. The second time around, uh, when he he brought Hjalmar Schacht into Germany during the 1930s. The, the oligarchs would not lend them any money, and Hitler resurrected the economy simply by issuing paper based on the future labor of the German people. You know, Mike, Mike your, your, your arm is going like this, and it's just about no, to do that no. Dr. Strangelove gesture. That's your arm. That's your arm. That's not my <laughs> arm. I am, t- I am telling you the God's honest truth, and the, the oligarchs never forgave him for doing that, because what we understood at that point, it was always there implicitly, is what is money? Money is credit based on the future labor of the nation, guaranteed by the sovereign. That's mm-hmm. what it is. And there's not enough gold to run any economy anymore. It will never happen. So forget these gold bugs and what okay. they're trying to sell. So, so you're you're on the side of people like Ellen Brown, Michael Hudson, and so on. Well, I, I have to admit, actually, those people seem to have a better case uh, from my perspective, too, as much as I admit that gold and silver are the traditional currency of the Islamic world. And, of course, uh, usury is completely forbidden, but we won't d- get into a long discussion on that because we have to move on to the war on West Asia. It's sometimes called the Middle East, but West Asia is a more accurate term. So a bunch of anti-Iran stuff coming out by people with the usual kinds of ethnicities. Well, wait a minute. No, Jamshi, that's because it's like an Iranian Gusano exile, a uh, regime-hating uh, Iranian here in the West and pointing out that Iran is cozying up to its neighbors. It's developing good relations with all of its neighbors, which is terrible news for the Americans and the Israelis. So I guess we're going to have to go to war with them. And here's a guy named David Axe wants to bring the axe down on Iran by uh, going having a shooting war with them in the Persian Gulf, which, frankly, I'm not sure that's a, such a good idea because the Iranians can shut off the global oil trade and otherwise uh, punish the U.S. for going to war on behalf of Israel against Iran. So what do you think about this? It looks like there's a drum beating now for war in Iran. Of course, maybe that's just happening all the time, and I only caught these stories this week. Okay, if you go back to that previous picture, the uh, there is the, Ch- the Chinese foreign minister uh, brokering a deal, ending the de facto war between Iran and Saudi Arabia. On the day, the very day that that happened, where was Anthony Blinken? Anthony Blinken at that day, uh, time in history, was handing out uh, the Woman of the Year Award to a man from Argentina. This shows you the total, total in, the total incompetence of this Secretary of State. A total incompetence. He allowed that to happen. He's completely off uh, in Never Never Land with this transgender thing at the time that the Chinese basically make the deal of the certainly the deal of the decade. Their diplomatic yeah, deal basically liberated the whole region from from the U.S. in one fell swoop. And Blinken why was off. why is no one holding Blinken accountable for this? This is a colossal failure on his part. And I'm going to say again that if you hire someone and the first thing out of his mouth is uh, I had relatives who die in the Holocaust, you're not going to get anywhere with the Chinese, which is exactly what happened. He flew to China after that tried to broker some insignificant deal and they laughed him out of the place. They didn't, nobody even showed up at the airport when he arrived. Yeah. Well, uh, the, uh, the empire isn't what it used to be. And over in Afghanistan, the empire had to flee with its proverbial tail between its legs, or should we say it's tail between its helicopters lifting off from the roof of the embassy. 
uh, just like in Saigon. But now China is all over Afghanistan getting ready to mine the rich load of EV metals, lithium and others. Uh, so I guess that that American nearly two-decade war on Afghanistan, which was falsely blamed for 9-11, uh, didn't really get us anywhere, did it? No, that's that's not true. That's not true. The heroin production increased. It skyrocketed as soon as the Americans arrived there. It's, I think that that yeah. was the main reason for the American invasion of, of uh, Afghanistan, to restart the heroin trade. So the Chinese are more interested in minerals than heroin, and so it's going to be a whole new Afghanistan, I guess. Uh, moving on to the long COVID or long mRNA question. Uh, first, we have four big medical journal peer-reviewed studies on long COVID coming out all at the same time, and it's completely blacked out of the mainstream media. And these stories do suggest that, like, you know, 10% of the people who have COVID, which is pretty much 10% of everybody, ends up disabled to some extent from it. So that sounds pretty bad. Over at the Jonathan Cook blog, he points out that people, uh, that these excess deaths have been way up, including, you know, most notably among younger people who normally don't die of COVID. This has been going on, you know, for two years. Apparently in the U.S., the excess deaths finally got down to normal, but they should be below that because all of the low-hanging fruit already died. But in any case, so there's an excess death problem across the West. And Jonathan Cook, who's a kind of left-leaning uh, analyst who has a lot to say about Palestine and such, uh, is upset about this. You know, mostly, it's mostly the political right that is concerned that maybe mRNA or uh, other things has something to do with this excess death hangover that can persist well after the COVID area. So what, what do you think, Mike? Is, is the excess death wave coming from long COVID or from vaccines or from some combination thereof or none of the above? Well, they ask those uh, soccer players who are 25 years old and drop dead in the middle of a soccer match uh, of a heart attack. What's, what is that from? It sounds to me it's if uh, had they, they, and the, they were forced to take the vaccine because they couldn't hold their job down. Is that being factored into this uh, equation or are we just talking about COVID? Well, yeah, it's, I mean, the, the vaccination rates are very high because of this insane push and all of these mandates that were put on. And obviously, it was not a good decision for people, young and healthy people to be making. Uh, so if it turns out that the proof comes in that it, the vaccines did kill a lot of these people and are largely or partly responsible for this excess death rate, it's going to be the scandal of the century. I wouldn't hold my breath waiting for the medical establishment and the media to tell us the truth about it. Just like they don't tell us the truth about anything, including COVID origins. Uh, we now got the truth out that Merrill Nass and I were exposing three years ago, back in March of 20, 2020, when COVID was just getting going, or I'm sorry, was it 2021? Uh, when did COVID? No, 2020, of course. March of 2020, Merrill Nass came on my show and pointed out that these articles put out in Nature Medicine, um, and uh, there was one other one, I'm forgetting where that was, by this team of basically bio-war usual suspects claiming that, oh, it came from pangolins. Everybody knows it came from pangolins. It came from bats and pangolins. And if you say anything else, uh, it's a horrible conspiracy theory. You need to be censored and deplatformed. Like, And it worked. And so for a year and a half afterwards, nobody could talk about this on social media. Or they'd be deplatformed because of these guys. And guess what? At the time that they were putting out this story, that it's totally natural origin and anything else is an evil conspiracy theory. So shut them up. Uh, these guys privately were fully aware that it was probably 
a lab-engineered bioweapon. So they were lying and propagandizing and really need to be held accountable. And they were held accountable to a certain extent in the congressional hearings last week. Yeah, th this is not going to happen until we have regime change. And uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr. hinted at this when he talked about his father. His father was going to go become president. The first thing he was going to do is look into who killed his brother because he now had control of the files and the government and so on and so forth. So if Bobby wants to become president, then he's going to have to have the same type of attitude. But he, he doesn't seem to have that attitude. Yeah. It's got to be it's got to be regime change. That's the yeah. only thing. The only way that the Stasi files in East, East Germany ever got released was regime change. They were driven from power and they opened up the archives. Same thing happened in the Soviet Union. When that the Soviet Union fell, the archives were, were open. We have to have something similar to regime change here happening before any of this stuff is going to be addressed. Well, regime change in the USA cannot happen soon enough for me. But hey, I'm, I'm getting tired of waiting for it. So I'm leaving. But I wish all you guys uh, good luck with it. And moving on to more reasons we could use some regime change. The uh, tranny privilege issue, not at the very top of my list of concerns, but still it's 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 so mind boggling. Uh, half of millennials think misgendering trans people should be a criminal offense. Jail anybody who gets the gender wrong. And there's that list of like, is it 83 or is it now up to 96 genders that you have to memorize? If you get the wrong one, you go to jail. Um, are these millennials smoking something or what's wrong with them? I don't believe, I don't believe polls. I don't believe that poll. It's not to say that they, they're not promoting this in schools. That's, that's true. Uh, that talking about, if you got the pronoun wrong, you go to jail. That was exactly in that uh, Michigan bill uh, that uh, Dana Nessel was promoting in, in, to, uh, for transgenderism. If you got the pronoun wrong, you could have gone to jail in Michigan. This is there. This is the type of people that they're in charge in Michigan. I, apparently, it's gotten tabled, so apparently, it's not a threat anymore. But that doesn't change the intention of the people who are in charge there. You can imagine you're driving through Michigan, and the cop pulls you over, and you know you roll down the window. Cop approaches, and you say a good day, sir, and boom, <laughs> you, you slap the cuffs on, drag you off to jail. It turns no. out that it wasn't a sir. At that point, you floor the car, uh, and you cross the Indiana border, and they can't touch you. Well, there you go. I'm sure you've done that a few times. Uh, moving on to the confidential Biden DOD memo that has now apparently given all of these privileges to transgender service mess, uh, members. So what are those privileges? Well, they get they get waivers, they skip deployments, and here, here's uh, their taxpayer-funded treatment. Uh, speech, voice therapy, cross-sex hormones, laser hair removal, voice feminization, surgery, facial countering, body color. I didn't even know this stuff existed, much less that our tax dollars were going to pay to turn our troops a different gender yeah this sounds like a great strategy for fighting and winning wars yeah maybe it's a good thing actually that they're turning the uh, most lethal vicious murderous force on earth the u.s military into this it's the cunning of reason kevin <laughs> there you go the cunning of reason you could call it uh, karma or you could say that they plot and allah plots and allah is the best of plotters so finally, uh, the child abuse section includes the Angel Studios directing people to the Clinton Podesta NGOs. And this has to do with that. Uh, there's there's the new movie that came out. Um, remind me of the name of the movie, Mike. The Sound of Freedom. Sound of Freedom. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it, it turns out that The Sound of Freedom, uh, it's about this uh, heroic uh, crusader, as it were, against child 
abuse, exploitation, and trafficking. And it turns out that some of the, uh, the foundations funding him were linked to the Clinton Foundation. So is this is this a, something uh, an area of concern? The Clinton Foundation funded that movie. Is that what you're saying? Well, I don't know if you read this article by Greg Reese uh, from his Substack points out that the uh, the Clinton Foundation um, has ties with Carlos Slim, who was one of the main funders of that um, Save the Children operation that is uh, uh, portrayed in the film. Oh, OK. No, I didn't know that. Didn't yeah. know that. And of course, the you know, the, and he gets into the history of how the big NGOs funding the supposed anti-child trafficking work look like they're in in on it with the child traffickers. Um, that uh, the Clinton Foundation said funded this database of human trafficking, and within nine years, it went the human trafficking industry went from with thirty billion dollars to one hundred and fifty billion dollars, and. Uh, in 2014, Obama assigned the task of how to manage the anti-trafficking data to none other than John Podesta. And here's the artwork that John Podesta has on his wall. Um, yeah. Okay. So it, it does there make you, you wonder. It. Yeah, it's a uh, regulatory capture. You always put the fox in charge of the hen house. Exactly. That's what RFK Jr. is talking about. And of all the regular regulatory capture issues to go after, this looks to me like one right up near the top of the list. Uh, but hey, what do I know? And uh, here's Carlos Slim who has, is a major donor to the Clinton Foundation, and he funded Tim Ballard's operation. Tim Ballard is the guy who founded the anti-trafficking uh, operation that's covered in the film. So it is uh, all a bit concerning, but you know who knows? Maybe Carlos Slim is honest. Uh, Clinton's and Podesta, I'm not so sure, though. And finally, uh, more decline of Western civilization news. There's a family theme park over it. It's called Adventure Island in Essex in the UK that is bringing in drag queens to perform uh, obscene acts for children. It's, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even believe this. Uh, you know, it, it reads like parody, but here, this is, this is the, uh, the children's entertainment that they're offering over in Sussex. Yep. Don't go to theme parks. That's the message here. <laughs> Don't stay, go. stay home, do something else. Take a walk. There's plenty of nice walks to take in England. Don't take your children to theme parks. Yeah, this is that's... the message here. This isn't what I remember from my uh, childhood of going to fairs and carnivals and theme parks, but what do I know? The world is different, and it's becoming more and more different all the time. And our final category is the sci-fi meets reality category. Uh, here was a good article, a serious article by Doug Hofstetter, author of Godel Escher Bach, which I read back in my high school hippie days or whenever it was, uh, pointing out that with AI translation, which you know many of us really like Google Translate, but... The problem with this is it makes it so easy to just rely on algorithmic translation, and AI is making this even worse, that nobody's ever going to bother to learn a foreign language, which is actually a really, not just an enriching experience, but a, I would say, you know, formative and you know, transformative and, and crucially important. I mean, you, you really, everybody should learn a foreign, at least one foreign language well enough to operate in that language, which gives you a whole new personality, because each language parses the world differently. Hofstetter gets that. And he says in this new world in which nobody ever really learns a foreign language is going to be a, a less interesting world. Now, I agree with you. One of the formative experiences in my life was going to Germany and learning German uh, when I was a teacher over there. Uh, of course, this is much it's much bigger than this. 
Uh, I just heard a story, a, four, a retired Notre Dame professor told me he's at a conference and the, the current professor at Notre Dame walks in with a shocked look on his face. He gave an open book exam. And after looking at checking the answers, every single student had used chat GPT to uh, answer his question. So this is the end of education. It's the end of the university unless they go back to blue books and pencils. Uh, that's it. It's over. No one is no one at Notre Dame, I guarantee you, is going to read a book anymore after this happens. And let okay. ChatGPT do it. ChatGPT do it. I'm out of here. I'm heading to the tailgater where I'm going to get drunk and get laid. This is uh, this is what education has become at Notre Dame. Okay. Well, uh, civilization is collapsing, and fortunately, the UFOs are coming to the rescue, at least according to a whole bunch of information that's making it into the mainstream after being ruthlessly ridiculed and suppressed for all of these years. Now, there is apparently a Senate movement passed, you know, it's being backed by both parties, fully bipartisan, to force the uh, the military and intelligence community to release the UFO records pertaining to the capture of downed alien craft and alien bodies. And the rumor is that the uh, corporations that have these top secret divisions tasked with this stuff are like desperately trying to get rid of this stuff, trying to sell used crash saucers on eBay and stuff because they're going to be forced to give it up and reveal it ASAP if this measure passes. Do you find it strange, Mike, that the top congressional leaders are passing bipartisan legislation designed to basically force the people who allegedly possess crashed flying saucers and alien bodies to give them back to the government? No, uh, this is not strange because uh, the government perceives a threat to its legitimacy. And once they perceive that, they have to have some type of outside enemy. Uh, so it's is it just Russia? No, let's make it a cosmic outside enemy called uh, aliens or unidentified flying objects or UFOs. So if you want the story, watch Independence Day, movie created in 1999. This tells the whole story of why this is being released now. See, I thought Mars Attacks was the one that got it right with you know, Tim Burton's movie. Yeah, it's 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 they're all variations on the same theme. So. Uh, this is not something we have to take seriously. Okay. Well, I guess in that case, let's play the, the Slim Whitman music and fade on out. Uh, unless, of course, it turns out that the aliens attack within the next couple of weeks. We'll be back, God willing, with more False Flag Weekly News, keeping you abreast of these very important or, in this case, very unimportant developments. Well, thanks so much, Dr. E. Michael Jones. I love doing the show with you. Keep up the welcome. great work. God bless. Bon, bon voyage. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, see you all next Whenever it is from wherever I am till then, uh, have a good week or two.